I'm Jad Abumrod, and this is Radio Lab. That's right, I've come out of retirement thanks to a freak accident that changed my voice to make it low and fucked. It also changed my cadence and my general demeanor. But hey, an accident will do that to you. Today on the show, we're going to look into the nitty-gritty details of what's actually pretty interesting about a piece of paper. All right, Kevin, cue the weird loops of sound that we kind of rely on. Uh, okay, here we go. Yep, there we go. It's not working. There we go. A piece of paper is actually a really interesting thing. One of the things you don't realize about paper. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the wrong thought. <laughs> What's this? What is this? Oh, this is breaking news. Oh my god. Holy shit. I can't hear fucking anything. Oh my god. Wow. Okay. Okay. Breaking news. I dropped I dropped my Gundam model and it broke. This was breaking news. See cuz it's break it broke. <sighs> oh wait, hold on. Now you're just going nuts. Also, these audio levels—they can't—they can't be right. This can't be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, I was a little unprepared for that—that that request for a, a song. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll it be, seemed I'll be like you were overprepared. You played fucking four tracks. <laughs> well, I normally uh, have to. Okay. Behind the scenes, I have to mark them to say when this one plays, don't immediately start playing the next one. And if I don't sure, have that yeah. all set up, it just starts playing. <laughs> well, that could be fun. We got to figure that, that we got to figure out a way because that could be a segment somehow. It's just a bunch of random sounds playing and something we do something as, as as a result. I don't know. But all right. Well, the good news is we've deafened the audience and they can no longer hear the rest of the show. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know how loud that was to you. I just know how loud it was to me on my computer. And uh, yeah, uh, how loud am I? Is my volume okay? Is, uh, how am I doing? Low yeah, you're doing. You're, you sound good. Okay. 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 All Part right. Of my anyway. like post processing is to like level everything out before the actual podcast goes out. So the people like listening to this live at home probably have their ears bleeding. But for people like listening to the podcast in the future, it, this will sound completely normal. So, oh, so the the audio is is uh, I guess it's your your sound effects track is like a different audio stream that can be adjusted individually. Yes, yes. Because the our our chat our video chat is all one stream, right? It's not like our voices are soloed. Correct. The way the way Zoom does this, it just mushes us all together, which I really don't like. But yes. Yeah, and that's Tech Talk with Spence and Kevin. Oh yeah, we're getting into the nitty gritty behind the scenes, man. What's going on? I don't. I, how how you doing, Kevin? That's something we do early on in the show, right? I'm I'm doing really good. I I got back from uh, New Orleans. I got to meet our our good friends uh, Dino and Church, mm -hmm. and saw them while I was there. Um, they introduced me to Dana Snyder, who I'd never met before, who's, oh, yeah. you know, well-known voice actor. He's really nice. Um, 
he is. He, he's fantastic. And he, the more drunk he gets, the funnier he becomes. <laughs> so yeah. um, they put on a little show at the back of a bar um, where they did some music. And then they showed this not yet announced. I don't even know if they're saying the name yet, but this pilot for a TV show that Dino's working on right now. Let's just say it's a darkly colored thing that you might dig in the ground. Yes. I think we're allowed uh, well, to say that. I'm sure we're not, actually. I don't, well, I don't hey. know what we're allowed to say, but they showed it to the public. So I figure the public's probably already leaked it anyway, but they're, yeah, they're exactly. working on a pilot for, for a new show that's got, you know, Scott Adsit does a voice. George Went from Cheers does a voice. Um, a whole bunch of people do stuff on there. And it's actually, it's really good. It's, it's, it's really funny. I, I, I genuinely laughed hard watching the pilot. So I, wow, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this mystery project that Dino's working on comes out soon. Yeah, man, it's a mystery. He's a he's a mystery himself, you know. Well, maybe not. So, isn't you know? Fun fact: New Orleans is called the Big Easy. Is that true? Uh, it was very easy for me to get around, so uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a yes. Great, well, great. It was easy. Why was it easy for you to get around? Um, you know, not like most airports where you have to wait in line for like a cab or an uber or something they were all just sort of just sitting right there and then mm-hmm. you know everything i used to get to was in walking distance which was just total coincidence but that worked really well yeah um you know a, a guy i work with just happened to live a block and a half away from the venue while they were doing the show so that was even you know i walked to his house then we walked together over there to go see it and it, it you know it was it was very easy so i'd like to thank you new orleans for being very easy that's cool. So you said it was a little show at the back of a bar or something. How little are we talking? There were maybe 25, 30 people there that wow. nearly filled the venue up. And that's so, you know, it's profitable. Um, I don't know exactly what the goal for this tour was other than to sure. just maybe show this pilot to some random people and see what kind of reactions it got and then do some singing and, you know, stuff like that. It was more just so for that, fun, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they all wanted to have fun as part of it, but it it, it went well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's cool. We got to take this show on the road and also not make money. <laughs> that could be really good. Oh, that's man. easy. If you want, if you want to lose money on a road tour, boy, can we do that? Yeah, you just book one. <laughs> that's, yes, it's you're guaranteed to lose money um man can you imagine this show on the road just me and you on a stage talking like this about fucking nothing not in front talking of 25 to 30 people yeah <laughs> not talking to the audience at all just kind of just doing this <laughs> i feel like, like if we if we if we brought up guests we could kind of like capture some of that insanity that we've we've experienced in the past nah nah no guests just like five minutes in for into it, like just people turn back to like their tables and stuff. And they're just like done and we're just there. They put music on like 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in. They just put the music back on so you can't hear us. Where was that Harmontown show we did where no one was paying any attention? Oh, it was South by Southwest, wasn't it? Uh, we're like, I don't know if you yeah. were at that one. Were you at that one? No, I've been at I've been at all the South by Southwest. I feel like the only thing I've ever missed was like New York. There was like a New okay. York, but I don't even know if we did a show. I just know there was a New York trip, but I, I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> man, 
that was probably Those a bit more humbling Harmontown experience though of just like literally like not a single person in the audience was there to see Harmontown because they were all there to see the community thing that was going to be right afterwards yeah so it was just like to total total yeah that was the one where Aaron got off stage and went and yelled at people were you there for that one I mean that that doesn't sound super familiar, but I'm sure any given show doesn't sound okay. familiar right now. I mean, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm, I'm it made me more think of like when we went to was it Kansas City on the Harmontown tour? But yeah, yep, man, going on the road. You know, I should do stand up, but the thing about stand up is you have to come up with stand up material <laughs> and then perform it. You know. That seems like a whole thing. I don't. I have no idea. Do you miss the, the touring that that you once did with this, or are you glad to just be a homebody? Well, I liked it when it wasn't like we had we had the Harmon Country tour, and that was cool just because it was its own kind of thing. And then there was a time where we were doing pretty heavily traveling. We were going like most weekends, basically, to do shows and stuff. And that was maybe a bit too much. It was like, could just, and not because it was because it was over a pretty prolonged period of time, you know? Um, so that, that was kind of towards the end, it was getting kind of like, oh man, I can't wait to stay home. But when we were just doing scattered shows and stuff, that was great. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. Oh boy, man. I am out of it. I'm not, it's not even that I'm out of it, which I am, but I'm just like, it's more that I'm not in it. You know, does that ever happen to you? You seem full yes. of boundless enthusiasm to me. I do. Yeah. No, that's totally like, I, I have this migraine right now. I didn't sleep last night. That it's, I, this is totally a bit I'm doing. Well, I'm, that's exactly uh, that's yeah. I was going to say to the audience, like audience, you guys don't know, but before the show, a lot of times, I'm not going to say most of the times, but a fair amount of times, Kevin's like, look, man, I got my foot blown off. I stepped on a landmine. I'm out of blood. Uh, I've been sick in, in in the hospital for three years with a mystery illness and Legionnaire's disease. I don't know how good I'm going to be on the show. And then I'm like, what's up, Kevin? And you're like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> like, you, you always sound like not that you're like super high energy or whatever but it's a very flat line to me you're always like at that level like even when you're you're out of it you seem you seem right right up and ready and and yeah yeah man. i i feel like i just i have to turn it on or the show sure. is going to be painful for both of us yeah i know it's is isn't that disappointing that i'm 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 ostensibly the show and yeah it kind of hinges on your ability to uh navigate me in a lot of ways well no i, I think handle just, me you know one person can can bring everybody else down you know yeah and no I matter often how many do. people are on yeah <laughs> no, no you're, you're a pretty even keel too you know oh, and i think that's that's kind of what we're trying to maintain here yeah yeah maybe i feel like my even keel is like more under the line than yours you i don't know and also i think it's part is partially your voice if that makes sense you know like I think you have this very pleasant, upbeat voice. Um, even when you're, you know, like I feel like the most negative you are are. Uh, well, I wonder if I could cue this organically, but uh, what if I was like to say, like Kevin, this fucking sucks. You know, this just sucks. How would you react organically? I, I mean, am I, am I agreeing with you that it. this sucks? Or, no, it's just if I if I say something like that, you know, usually you'll have a very similar response. Yeah, man, uh, my cat exploded. I had to put her back together today. 
<laughs> that that does suck. I mean, I I, I got to sympathize with you there. That's that's pretty. You sound horrific. so happy. You sound so happy. I don't know. Not not like in a gleeful way, but it's just it's very it's very encouraging and upbeat. I don't know. I think you know. I have I have kind of different modes. I have kind of like a this, and then I have kind of like a this, and then I kind of like up here. But all of them are kind of grating. I think like it's obnoxious, whiny slash. Uh, laconic tired kind of you know it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not it's not good none of this is good i mean yeah, I, uh, I feel like i am like the result of multiple generations of just getting worse with voice so like my great grandfather <laughs> was this like fire and brimstone preacher known Whoa. for like screaming um on sundays in baltimore you could hear him on the radio when he had this big booming voice that i've heard you know a little bit of him and so then his son, my grandfather, was a DJ, and he also was a, a you know, a, a pastor. So he gave these very, very vivid, you know, things like this. My father took it down a notch. He still was a DJ as well, though, on WBAL in Baltimore. Oh, wow. Um, and he, has, he had this really, you know dj kind of voice you know just just like the stereotypical well welcome back and then tomorrow we're going you know like he he could turn it on like that and Mm -hmm. i have none of that it's just it feels like just every generation that that presence that vocal presence with me has just faded a little bit further talk about what makes sense deal am i right folks i mean yeah it makes sense but i think it's more that you're just not in a position to have to be like that i mean when you're just copying your dad or whatever that sounded very much like a radio voice that you know someone would be like yeah i'd listen to that on the radio you know that's great so i think it's more that you know duty hasn't called more than like there's some threat of talent that's being diluted you know i think it's i think it's still there i think it's it's ready you know and that's why yes i always know it's actually surprising to hear all of that about you because you know i've been saying since we started this podcast or at least since jeff left or at least since like two weeks ago i don't know but i've been always saying that like you know you should be the main this should be your show like you're the people you're the guy that everyone wants to see you're like it, it like by all rights you're the most interesting person you know it's like you're the person the podcast would be centering around and i mean the idea that there is like some performance chops in your family i think that fits very well into that you know argument yeah i've always been drawn to it it's just i've failed horrifically every time i tried like you know i remember being we in junior it. high go ahead yeah i want to hear all of these failures and, yes and like you know i was going to and i have no idea what prompted me to do this but i was going to sign up for like the junior high choir and so mm-hmm. the music teacher takes us all one one at a time to like hey do the scales can you sing this trying like, try to figure out where to place you in the you know because he was even just saying just before we started you know hey listen we're supposed to have 16 people only 12 of you have applied so pretty much you're all getting in it's just a matter of like what what seat you're gonna take you know and then he gets to me and has me do it he goes "Mm, do do you want to be the director maybe you know like like it was just this this really like diplomatic way of saying you should not be singing sure so that was that was that was the last time i really tried anything vocal Mm -hmm. um so yeah you know like like i I don't, i'm drawn to it i just i don't think that's my strength what other failures have you experienced in terms of performance or being you know the front the, the person on the on camera or whatever you know you know 
Well, I mean, almost, this is almost the exact same story, but, you know, I was always drawn <laughs> to like the theater and musical stuff in, in high school as well. Mm-hmm. And that's instead where I got put on the tech crew, which is probably why I ended up kind of in the positions I am now, you know, I mean, that, that, you know, I went to college to be a lighting and audio technician, you know, specifically for like concerts and stuff like that. That's not a career I ever really followed, but that happened because I kept wanting to be involved in theater in school and getting shot down every time I tried, you yeah. know? So that rather was- than being on stage, I was the sound guy where I was the light guy and I was the one painting the sets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like I mean, I'm, I do I've, think I've always been adjacent to talent rather than being the talented one on stage. I think that there are people who end up performing in stuff who have stories like that. It's just, I think they have, you know, the ego or the delusion or whatever to be all like that, that, that shit propels me, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my haters, my waiters or whatever. Do you remember when Eric Adams said that New York, yes. Eric Adams? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think waiters. for more, I, I'm very easily grounded by like, yeah, you know, these are the experts here. This is not right. Like, like I was, I don't know if he's caught Abed's show just a couple hours ago, but like, you know, I was telling him one of the reasons why I think I'm so drawn to working with you and Abed and Shrab and everybody else is that like, you know, I, I've ha- sort of had this always standing policy that I always want to be the dumbest person in the room or the worst person at, at whatever it is people are doing, but that's when you learn the most, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I, I look at you and I look at Abed and I look at Shrab and Callie and, and, you know, Wade and Willie and everybody as being these incredibly out of my league, talented people in the terms of comedy and writing and <laughs> everything else. And by associating with you guys, I hope some of that rubs off on me. But does that make sure. sense? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, I mean, obviously I think you're, you're charming and, and have a good screen presence and stuff. Uh, but in terms of just talent, like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure Kelly plays better guitar than you or whatever, but like, you're like, you just, you have like mountains of talent and stuff in wh- whatever bullshit you're doing, uh, you know, Kevin's, Kevin's mystery machinations. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a funny to even frame it that way, but I definitely get it. I, I know what you mean for sure. I no, am pretty like, like my example that I gave, and again, I'm repeating what I just talked about on Abed's show, but like. You know, I, I moved from the middle of nowhere, Nebraska to downtown Chicago when I was 18 to work at Midway Games, which mm-hmm. was a big deal. You know, I mean, I was the youngest person that they ever hired for an engineering position at the company. And it's, you know, huge, long history. Um, and, you know, I, I know this kind of makes me sound like I'm bragging here, but I was very used to back when I lived in Nebraska, usually being the smartest person in the room when about stuff, you know, like, it, like sure, that was yeah. just my thing. Like I was a computer geek. I was good at math. I was good at all this stuff, you know, and it was such a culture shock to me when I moved to Chicago and all of a sudden I was working next to some of the best artists I've ever seen in my life and some of the best musicians I've ever worked with. And like the programmers there, which I considered my strong suit, I realized I knew nothing compared to these people. You know, I I had some kind of like this latent talent, but I I did not use it, you know? And so at first that was this really off-putting thing. Like I almost quit a couple of times at one point. So I'm like, I just don't fit in. Like I got this like incredible case of imposter syndrome of just like, you know, I thought I was smart. I thought I knew what I was doing, but I'm, I have nothing compared to any of these people. And 
it wasn't until, you know, this really nice guy I worked with sat me down one day and he's like, well, listen, we're all in our thirties and forties. You're 19, you know, you're just starting. And the smartest thing you possibly could do is work with us, you know, learn from us. You know, we obviously thought that you were good enough or you wouldn't have this job here. So go, go do this. And, you know, I've kind of followed that as my life advice ever since of just like, you know, always surround yourself by people better at things than you are, because it, it's more interesting, you learn more, you, you know, whatever. So that's, you know, that that's one of the reasons why I got involved with Harmontown in the first place was that I just looked at you guys and went, you guys are doing this right. Like out of all the podcasts I listen to, out of everything, you know, this is this is what I would emulate if I could do this and I can't do this. So I, I, if I can somehow be around these people, this is, this is perfect. You know? So that was kind yeah. of where that interest of, Hey, can I help you guys out came from? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've def definitely identify with the idea of being like the smartest person in the room. You know, I grew up in a pretty small town and I fucking went to community college and boy, howdy. If you're someone that probably should have gone to real college and you go to community college, it's, oh boy um i mean there I, I took a philosophy class and the whole philosophy class from start to finish every semester or every every you know class or whatever the kids start whatever, whatever teens i don't know they just be talking to each other at normal talking voices and like you couldn't hear the lecture because they were they were just talking they were just hanging out and talking and i was like I don't want to talk to these people not that they would talk to me but hey uh you know like i actually was kind of hoping to learn about this stuff and you just you could barely hear the professor and the professor is not bothered like he's just like you know that's 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 how it is or whatever i don't know this is a story i tell all the time i i don't know if i've told it on the podcast but it was in a biology class and um <laughs> and the teacher asks and in a biology college class, I don't even think a teacher should ask this question. But a teacher said, like, in, uh, you know, the mollusks, they're invertebrates. Does anybody know what an invertebrate is? And then, you know, there's a pause and <laughs> no one answers. And then I'm like, yeah, it's something that doesn't have, you know, a spine, right? Uh, and then she was like, yeah. And then someone was like, nice job, Einstein. <laughs> it's like, I knew what an invertebrate was in like third grade. I got zoo books. Like, this is not like no one should not know this. And the idea that like knowing it was something not only to be commented on upon uh, upon at all, but to be uh you know uh to be you know made fun of or sarcastic about or whatever it was just like mind blowing. And I was like, oh man, these are just weird children that are more or less forced to be here which i kind of was too but at least i was you know i like school so it wasn't it wasn't too bad just being in school or whatever but yeah i don't know but then especially like coming to la and stuff i you know you just yeah and especially in industry i don't understand at all you know you go from that to just being like a dipshit and having no clue how anything fucking works and there's people that i'll explain to stuff to you but it's just everybody feels so comfortable with what is happening you know and it's uh it's like wow i don't i'm not worthy you know and especially like being in the writer's room of like real writers and stuff it's like man i don't know what the fuck i'm doing dude this sucks just gotta get out of here um but hey you know whatever uh anyway so how about uh 
how about that Palestine that Israel? You know what I, you know what I'm talking about? We'll be right I, I do. Yeah, I, I I don't know how to touch this. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta we gotta take a quick commercial break. The best thing about summer is getting to do all your favorite indoor things outside, like sharing meals and accidentally falling asleep on the sofa. Article's curated catalog of outdoor furniture is here to help you do all your favorite things this summer. They got everything you need from outdoor sofas to dining sets to decor. Their team of designers is all about finding the perfect balance between style, quality, and price, and they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. You just pick the delivery time, and they'll send you updates every step of the way i have a beautiful article outdoor dining set it's got this heavy three wood three-piece picnic table kind of thing and it is robust it is quality article is offering offering our listeners fifty dollars off their first purchase of a hundred dollars or more to claim go to article.com slash goblin flakes and the discount will automatically be applied at checkout that's article.com slash goblin flakes for fifty dollars off your first purchase of a hundred dollars or more if you want to give your body the nutrients it needs (laughs) You know, it's funny to imagine um, someone like going through and, 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 you know, going to the website and and, uh, going to checkout and being like, the discount wasn't automatically applied. (laughs) What's going on here? (laughs) And maybe even buying the furniture anyway. It's like, well, I got this far. I I guess I'll (laughs) got to support Spencer. Let's pay for this anyway. man okay you know i'm back i'm back i'm happy i'm happy to do the podcast now <laughs> this is good uh no but seriously israel folks okay uh, i mean you know everybody everybody on uh, like i mean not everybody this is a uh, what do you call it uh exaggeration uh, oversimplification but most of the people i talk to and that i see talking are on the same page about this shit you know um i don't know but I remember when it first started happening, there was a bunch of people on Twitter, a bunch of dipshits on Twitter, um, and not the ones you're thinking of, but these these people were like, you know, it's okay to not have an opinion. It's okay. You know, I'm just going to, I'm actually not going to say anything. I, you know, it's it's okay to admit that this is actually a complicated situation, you know, and it's okay not to fully understand it. And it's like... I mean, okay, let me, let me, let me just give it a slammer. There are aspects of this entire thing, which is to say the nation of Israel, there are aspects of it that are a little bit complicated, but what's in the news is not complicated. Israel essentially operates, uh, a more or less genocidal regime, um, that is keeping palestinians oppressed and has for decades in various ways there's been various uh you know uh backlashes that fall upon the civilians this has been happening for a long time and there's a terrorist group and the terrorist group attacked israel and then israel's like okay well let's just slaughter everybody let's just slaughter everybody in this place we've been uh, uh, oppressing it's already basically an open-air prison it's already what 40 50 percent children most of the population is children why don't we bomb the shit out of them and drop white phosphorus on these people and just completely demolish this place we've already been steamrolling 
destroying the houses of and building, you know, Israeli settlements and calling it, you know, this is now our territory. That's not complicated. That's very simple. You know, it's, I guess you could say, oh, the fact that Hamas is like whatever the government or whatever is like a little bit complicated, but it's not even like, it's not the first time that terrorists are the government. Like, like ISIS is the government of where Afghanistan is it? I don't know. There's like a lot of terrorist regimes that are just governments in Middle Eastern countries. Now it's like, that was the thing that America like never wanted to happen. And then it happened and America's like, okay, I mean, I guess we're, Hey, ISIS, you want to zoom into this phone call? We're going to talk about policy or whatever. And then it's just, there was like a switch flipped. And now we just deal with these governments, even though they're terrorists. It's not like, it's not like this is unique. It's just a thing that happens now. I don't know that I'd say it's good or bad, but it definitely happens. But, you know, I don't know. The idea that because terrorists attack you, you're going to just go slaughter a bunch of civilians in retaliation. Again, that's simple. It's wrong. It's bad. It's bad news. I don't know. I think, you know, I think there is, again, like I think the nation of Israel is uh, complicated, but it's complicated because it's, uh, you know, here's, you know, Kevin, you know, te- Kevin te- texted me that he was going to get ready for some hot takes. So here's some hot takes. But, you know, the nation of Israel is wrong. It shouldn't exist. It didn't exist. It was Palestine. And then, like, the U.S., with the help of the U.N., which the U.S. has a lot of, you know, power over the UN in general, they're like, hey, we're going to make Israel. We're going to put it right here in this tiny fucking piece of, of land. And that's that's Israel. We're just making this state out of nowhere because we feel bad about the Holocaust or something. I don't know, but I don't like But it's it's just it's weird. Like and so because it was this weird thing that we did. First of all, it pissed everyone off who was there, right? All of the neighboring countries and stuff. And also like the new state of Israel that now exists after it got put there randomly. Now they're like, well, what the fuck do we do? Everyone's trying to kill us. Like, and so like they're in this weird posture where they could, because it's illegitimate, it's like an illegitimate state that, that like, that's not, I don't know. It's not usually how things happen, you know, like, like people, overthrow governments and then they might you know claim a new nation where they got go or people declare war and they conquer territory and they say this is our shit now but that didn't happen like a a different group said like hey like group a said group b now you're in group c you get to take over group c like not through military just just through like machinations that's not something that should just happen without like everyone being super cool with it and so it sets up this gordian knot of there's no good solution because that solution that created it never should have happened there's not so so now going forward there's just you can't really do anything i mean you know the best thing to do probably is to dissolve the whole country uh and you know if you want to make a new israel make it somewhere else or something i don't know but like but that's obviously not never going to happen so it's like in 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 without that being the option it's just there's never going to be anything good that happens like because it's just this it's this thing that never should have existed and because america was a huge part of making it um everybody's like no this is good and so they go crazy defending it kind of like republicans you know republicans will go crazy defending the most insane shit you know it's like oh it's really good that this lady died in childbirth because we're trying to ban abortions like that's that's what we want and you're crazy for questioning it you know it's like when you're when your position is inherently bankrupt um you know you have this really vociferous 
uh, rah-rah kind of defense of it because you don't actually have any logic to stand on, you know? And so like, and so no one, no, and then that, that filters through the government, it filters through the media, um, you know, and it filters down to the people and, but like, no one knows what the fucking deal is. And, and because of this, it's been this weird situation, you know, I could be wrong on some or all of this stuff, whatever. I don't care. Um, but like, I think there's a lot of manipulation um, that goes on to kind of create the idea that Israel is like this good thing, this normal thing, this historic thing. You know, are you familiar with the concept of birthright, Kevin? Yes. Birthright is uh, it's about how Jewish people, they go to Israel to reconnect the motherland. It's part of their like spiritual journey. Didn't used to exist. That didn't exist. Israel got founded and then birthright started. It's propaganda. It's like it's an attempt to normalize the idea that this is a historic thing that has happened and that like Israel's existence and its relationship with Jewish people is like a thing that has existed for a long time and is legitimate. But it's not. It's just they just made it up after the Second World War. They just like so like it's it's fucking crazy. The whole thing is like again, like there's nothing to do. Um I was talking to my friend uh Jeff who uh isn't Jeff Davis and he's Jewish and you know, he's not pro any of this stuff. He, you know, he's a normal person. He's a rational person who doesn't want children to be slaughtered. Um, you know, so, but I don't know. That's the thing is like a lot of countries when they get attacked by terrorists, they don't say now we're going to go to war and kill a bunch of people. Like definitely America does that. And there's some other countries that do that, but most countries are like, man, what a tragedy. You know, this is not the time to uh, stoke the fires of hatred. We will live on. We will move forward. But but some countries are like, we're going to kill fucking everybody, you know, and that's bad. That's not good. Terrorist attacks are a tragedy. But, you know, I don't know. Um, the thing the thing to, to note is that Netanyahu has I don't know if he's personally funded, directed his government to personally fund or just influenced other parties to fund. But he has funded and gotten funds to Hamas. He has done that. And he is also on record in public as saying it's really important for Israel that we fund Hamas because that gives them, I don't know exactly why he was saying that, but you know, my headcanon or whatever is that then gives them the excuse to justify whatever oppression they're doing because it's the war on terror or whatever their equivalent is. You know, he said that. He, he said that he sent money. If you ask the Israeli people, which people have in polls, 86% of Israeli citizens blame Netanyahu for the terrorist attack. They're not saying like, oh, it's these children that we're trying to bomb. It's not their fault. They say like, this is our government's fault. And they have a good reason to say that because by all accounts, he's funding the terrorist group. You know, um, so that's just facts. Like, it's crazy that it's in the news um, you know, and they're not saying, you know, by the way, isn't it relevant that the fucking government that's doing this also funded the group that is making the excuse to do this? Seems kind of relevant. Um, again, not super complicated. Um, my friend, uh, Jeff, he pointed out that, uh, you know, if, if like since Trump, even before it came out, but since Trump started improperly storing documents, that meant that we can kind of safely assume 
a good chunk of those documents, I mean, I think you could assume that 100%, but a good chunk of those documents have then been leaked probably to Russia, who then leaked it to their allies or other parties that they they thought would be helpful or do whatever. You know, a lot of fucking spies started dying, and it seems like that's almost certainly uh, related to those documents being leaked and stuff. No one ever talks about that either. But, you know, it's quite possible that, that the Trump documents somehow led to this attack going off as unsuspected as it was, even assuming it is unsuspected, because who knows? I mean, the government's going to say it's unsuspected. Maybe they had more intel that they didn't ignore or that they didn't take seriously or whatever. You know, it's like we had intel that they were trying to uh, fly planes into shit before 9-11 happened. I don't think they were like, hey, 9-11's coming. Do you want to do anything? No, I think I will not do anything. It wasn't like that. But, you know, when when things like are potentially going to uh give you a mandate for power, I think you don't necessarily take them super seriously. But hey, that's crazy speculation. Anyway, I was talking to Jeff and he was saying like, you know, there's 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 only 20 million Jews in the planet. Like uh there's not that many. The Holocaust did like serious damage to the population that, you know, we're still kind of recovering from. It's not good. And there are, you know, multicultural nations, there are Muslim nations, there are Christian nations. There isn't exactly a Jewish nation and anti-Semitism is everywhere in uh, the world, you know, and it would be nice if there was like a sanctuary state for Judaism, right? That would be nice. Um, There's not really a great reason for it to be right where it is other than america picked it because america read the bible and was like man this is where jesus was we got to put it here or whatever but it's like if you're just talking about a sanctuary state a safe a safe place you know it doesn't have to be anywhere my pitch is put it in australia you know maybe they can spare some space or something you know because again i i can see i'm not you know pro-zionism or any but i can at least see a practical concern a practical desire to have like a place where it's like, no, man, anti-Semitism doesn't exist here, you know? Um, so I could see that, but it doesn't need to be where it is. And specifically, like, I think that in the aftermath of World War II, they didn't want to like force a lot of people to, to, to suffer or uh, pay a heavy cost. I think they were like, well, here's Palestine. What are they going to do about it? It's not like they have anything to say about it. We could just bully them into taking this. And so like they were kind of the only designated loser. I think if you want to say, oh, it should be in the Middle East somewhere, I think it would be more reasonable to say like all these countries in the area, why don't you slice off a couple corners and you make like a decent sized country, you know, and then that could be, then it could exist, like not big, but like decent size. But because Israel's so small, because like no one likes them and because and i think because they're so small they have to not they have to but that's part of why they adopt this hyper aggressive backlash uh culture because it's like if you bomb us we're gonna hit you back so hard you're going to uh you know regret it i'm not super familiar with the concept of the six days war but i think the six days war is a little bit on that idea the idea that like they hit you back so hard that it shocks you because they're they're such a small state that like 
if they were in like sustained warfare for any period of time without this hyper retaliatory hardcore backlash kind of posture i think they're they have some sort of legitimate fear that it would be pretty easy to just crush them you know i mean that's one of the reasons they have the iron dome like every country has missile defenses but the iron dome is pretty unique among missile defenses as far as i understand um but so like because we chose palestine and because we made it such this tiny country it again it's it created all these problems that then caused like israel to be all like we have to act this way that made more problems and so it's like again it's all back on back on this original problem of just kind of creating a nation out of statecraft without you know putting due due diligence into it because it was based on you know religious fundamentalism american interventionism you know all this stuff and it's just it's just really weird it's not good um and i don't think a lot of people a lot of normies understand because they're like hey it's israel that's us they're white right it's a white nation beset on all sides by like uh evil communist uh, muslims or whatever they're terrorists everybody's a terrorist except these white guys that we love it's americans allies israel you know i think like that has made it so people don't actually see the events that are happening and the history that led to it and i think stuff like birthright is part of like the idea that I, I'm sure there's 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 plenty of people, maybe not a majority, but there's plenty of people that probably aren't even aware that like Israel didn't used to exist, you know, and it just like it's a recent invention, and it's just yeah, again, like like by the, I've, I've talked all this talk, um, you know, obviously there's parts of that that are complicated, right? I was talking about parts of it that are complicated, but what actually happened again it's not complicated very simple very bad very bad um anyway let's play D. &D. <laughs> you got your character sheet uh anyway oh. here we go all right last time our heroes johnny defever was remembering his time when he was in the video game final fantasy tactics and they had to stop a group of bandits. I think that's where we left off, honestly. I can't remember exactly. I but, have uh, no yeah. memory at this point. I'm no, so I sorry. know. And I don't think I ever said, like, explicitly, this is Final Fantasy Tactics. But hey, it was. Uh, I think that's, you know, I don't know. It would be nice to go back and do that idea. Like, I think that's a cool, interesting idea. Uh, in, in part, just because Final Fantasy Tactics specifically is a really interesting um, fantasy world. And plot-wise, it's not like heavily contingent on very specific like character movements. Like I think a lot of video games. I mean, you definitely could do D and D in the world of a lot of video games, but I think uh, you'd have to substantially differ from the plot. Whereas I think Final Fantasy Tactics, you can kind of mostly stick with it. Um, anyway, sorry about all that. I'm sure there's all these things I'm wrong about. I'm sure there's. I'd say I guess most people mostly agree with me and there's probably a good chunk of people that don't agree with me whatever I get it but I don't know you know I'm the Let relatable me ask you this. guy it's sort of on the sure. same topic but but not yeah. exactly that sure. so this area of the world three of our major religions all sort of consider it their holy land for different reasons you know yeah for sure and none of those three really are inclined to get along right what what do you think should be done with that? Like, pretend Jerusalem did not exist. Pretend Israel did not exist. And this was just a bare, empty plot of land right now that everybody all wants to move into. Who has rights to it? Because all three of those groups, at some point, even prior to Israel, did live there. 
So all right. of them are going, hey, we're the original settlers of this going if you go back this far. And then one of the other groups says, well, if you go back a little bit further, we live there. And, you know, who, who is entitled to this area then? Well, I, of course, think it should be a white Christian nation. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't. That's the thing is, I don't think people are entitled to land. You know, I think the only reason Palestine is entitled to it is because they were the last people to do it. And again, no one conquered them. You know, like I don't I'm I don't know. I guess I'm more pro war than a lot of people, especially a lot of like hardcore leftists or whatever, just because it's like some things you kind of just have to fight over because no one else is going to give, you know, and if you if you want it and you don't want to give, then at some point you're going to have to fight over it or whatever. So I don't think it would be good for it to just go up for grabs in a war. But I think that's kind of what should happen. And that's what did happen. That's how Palestine was Palestine. And it wasn't Israel because, you know, there was a time where it was Israel at some point, as far as I understand. And then it became Palestine because they fought and won or whatever, you know. So that's the thing. It's like if someone wants it. It, it, I think it's reasonable to fight and take it, but that's not what happened. What happened is, you know, it just got like in, installed. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I think I think there's reasonable claims to it, but I think like I don't think I don't think religion, and I don't think the lineage of religion, which I think both Islam and Judaism have this kind of lineage of religion, especially Judaism, is like it's not just a it's not just a religion that people are opting into. It's also a lineage, a lineage of heritage, a culture of, of people that exist. Um, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think that having a religion gives you the ground, like gives you the grounds to have, you know, that territory. Like, I don't think Christians like, uh, cause again, otherwise Christians could lay claim to it. And I don't think that doesn't make any sense. I think, you know, it would be nice if we decoupled religion in, in, uh, in lineage. I think one of the reasons that, you know, Jewish people are so oppressed is because, uh, you know, anti-Semites have kind of made that argument that it's not just like a religion or whatever. It's this group of bad people that need to be stopped or whatever, you know, this lineage. It's not just a belief system, you know, and I think that's part of the problem because, you know, you either you either have a country or you don't. But I mean, it's not the first time a country's been displaced like Persia used to be a thing. You know, it's like this is just something that happens in the course of world history. It's not good that countries get stomped out by war and stuff and get conquered and stuff. But that is what happens, you know, and I that's that's the thing. And, and I think like that's the way more or less it should be handled, I guess, which isn't good. And people shouldn't go to war. But if that's what you're talking about, like that's that's how it happens. Right. I mean. It would be, I guess, nice, but it's like, how do you do it? Like a world government or something like, you know, who's choosing other than like, unless everybody's opting in to kind of uh, design the perfect world, I think, you know, state boundaries and stuff are more decided by warfare than anything else. Um, I gotta, I gotta change my camera so my, I can plug my phone in. So let's see how fucked up okay. this gets. Oh, we've, we've lost Spencer's video. I don't know if you can oh. still hear me, but. All right, let me let me ask you while while you're fixing that uh, a follow-up question, two parts here. I, I'm probably wrong, but I want to say I think it was Henry Kissinger who said at one point, kind of off the record, but it got printed anyway, that you know the only way there's ever going to be peace in the Middle East is that if somebody just detonates enough nukes and glasses the entire place and makes it unlivable, because otherwise someone's going to keep fighting over that same strip of land forever. And follow up to that is that I think it was Donald Trump Jr. who said that he had a plan for peace in the Middle East and never actually revealed what that plan was. Do you think that's what the plan was? 
Yeah, I think I think that was no. I'm I'm sure it was a stupid idea that uh, he thought was awesome, and I'd love to actually. I, I, you know, if I ever met him, I would probably want to ask him about that and be like, "Hey, do you have a couple hours to really talk through your plan? I'm highly interested in it." You know, and just see what he has to say. That that could be interesting. I mean, I'm sure it's a bad idea, but it, it would be interesting. I do think he probably had some idea, you know, and I don't think it was to blow everything up. I mean. I kind of agree with what the gist of what Henry Henry Kissinger is saying, at least how I interpret it, which is what they're fighting about is deeply held beliefs through generations and generations that date back thousands of years. And that's not going to go away because it's in the past. So like it's hard it's hard to imagine that there will be a point where nobody willing to kill people is going to be affected by beliefs tied to that past, you know, just because it's it's not it's not present day concerns that are really driving. I mean, there is present day concerns driving it, but you know, fundamentally, it, it dates back to a thing. But again, like I, I, I think there it wouldn't be that there is peace, but I don't think there it would be like what it is if Israel wasn't established, like like it was. I mean, and you know, if if some it is established some other way by bloodshed or something, I think it might be more stable or something. But again, I don't know. Hard to say. You think there's any compromise that all parties could be happy with that still won't end up with some terrorist group protesting it fifty no, years down the road? Because I think I think the the solution is for the occupiers to leave, and the occupiers aren't going to leave without being killed. You know, uh, um, and I don't think we should uh, push for killing all the op- occupiers either. Uh, it would be good if we didn't do that, but uh, that is you know. It's like uh, Britain colonized India, right? And eventually Britain left India. You know, it's like it's not that's the solution. It's not because like, it's not theirs. Like it just isn't. I don't I don't know. I I I get the argument that at one point it was, but it's uh, that's the thing. It's like it's it's occupation. But uh yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think the issue is that every side feels like they were there before at one point and they're just putting things back to what was correct. And the yeah, question and then happens- becomes how far back do you considered legitimate yeah but that happens all over the world it's just that the the case is a lot of people end up living in the new place saying man this was my place this is actually for my people and then they don't do that they just accept that they lost right that's just something that that happens again persia there's other countries uh byzantine empire You know, this is the thing that happens. Like, I think it's important to remember your history and stuff. But your history doesn't necessarily mean that someone should give you a country. You know, it's just like that's not how that's not how the world works, in my opinion. But hey, that's just my opinion. Um, I don't know. You know, you sent me these chocolates a long time ago. <laughs> you remember these? Yes. I'm probably just going to eat these at some point. I don't think we're going to keep okay. them in the show. I don't have those with me. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, do that's you fine. have them at home? I would figure you would have thrown them out. I don't know. I, I usually hold on to most things. It's probably on a, a bookshelf somewhere. Yeah, I forget. You have a whole ass house, you motherfucker. Uh, I hate everyone with houses. I was driving around with my friend today, and we, we passed a church, and I was like, see, that church should be bulldozed and turned into apartments. And he, he wasn't like against it, but he was like, that's funny. And then... We drove like literally half a block and saw another church. And I'm like, you see, they could just go there. And then we passed another one and another one and another one. There was six churches in like the space of like 500 feet. I don't know. I guess maybe 2000 feet. But it's like, God damn it, dude. Uh, it's, uh, it's all Christian churches. Like it's the same God. Like you don't have to go. We're, we're, we're trying to make 
I mentioned that that it's like that the, the people want their artisanal small batched religions, and it's like, nah, man, just fucking go to a mega church, build housing, get out of my face, let people live. I don't know. We we want want to I want to build more housing instead of churches. <sighs> I don't know, man. Let's, I I still I, I feel like it would not be right for me to talk about therapy. <laughs> we should we should maybe read some emails. <laughs> Brian, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know oh, how go it's going, but um, if you, yeah, if we should probably save that for for a time, you have more time to dive into that. I think. Yeah, it just feels like a awkward. I mean, I, I guess no more awkward than reading emails, but I don't know. Something about it feels wrong to me. Um, anyway, Brian writes, "Hey Spencer and Kevin, have you ever attempted to sous vide anything? Cooking has become my creative outlet, and I'm trying to tempted to try it, but I get super stressed out when I fuck up a dinner. So a new cooking style is a little intimidating. Curious to hear your thoughts on the method, if you have any. Well, I hate to call you out, Brian, but I've talked to Kevin about sous viding on the podcast, so maybe you should remember perfectly everything we've ever talked about on the podcast. Next email. No, uh, Kevin, you you want to talk about your experience with sous vide? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you're a beginner, it's actually I think easier because it's really hard. That's to what mess I was thinking. Up. Right. You know, yes. like like if if you want to cook a steak to medium well, or just say medium, let's say because it's 130 degrees ish, you put it, you put the steak in the plastic, suck the air out, put the sous vide machine in the water, set it to 130 degrees. You can set it in there for half an hour. You can come back eight hours later. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is put a little bit of a crust on the outside of it with either a blowtorch or an oven or something like that, and you're done. So I think it, it makes it easier to experiment because you don't have to worry about pulling things out at exactly the right time or it being undercooked on the inside and overcooked on the outside or whatever. It's it's a great way to experiment and I've used it a lot to be able to to try things. So, you know, I, I would strongly suggest if you like experimenting with cooking and you're afraid of messing up, sous vide is the way to go because it's really hard to mess something up that way. I agree 100%. Have you been sous viding lately? I haven't lately. Um, lately, Ariel's been doing most of the cooking because she gotten she does oh, awesome. you know these little bursts of just like wanting to make things, and yeah, she does yeah. things the old Southern way, you know, of just like <laughs> you know, uh, tons of spices and tons of flavors, and you know, vegetables being cooked at the same time as the meats and all this, and it's it's all so good that I just don't want to mess with anything. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear that for sure, but yeah, that that was the sense I got. Um, off your point about you don't want to hit the thing where you overcook the outside and undercook the inside. Um, if you fuck up cooking meat, that's like one of the most classic mistakes, you know, because if you have your whatever your cooking service too hot, it's really easy to char the outside, get a crust on it, and the inside is underdone. Um, I actually, I don't know. I was cooking meat. Was it yesterday? I think yesterday I was cooking a bunch of tri-tip for meal prep and some of the chunks, most of the chunks I made were pretty small, but some of the chunks I definitely should have diced up into two or three smaller pieces, but I would get, and, and I also had the, the heat when I was starting, I had the heat on too high because you want the heat on, you know, I, I got this Dutch oven. So you want the heat on pretty high to get a nice char on the meat because I, to me, that's where like most of the flavor is. It's in the crust of the steak. Um, but if it's too hot yeah you'll you'll char you'll crust you'll burn the outside and it'll look nice and then you cut it open and it's raw in the middle so those bigger pieces i definitely had that um with it was only like two or three pieces the rest of them are pretty good but so then i turned down the heat but that's the thing it's really easy 
to char the outside and undercook the middle. So if you get the sous vide, you sous vide it, and then you put it way too hot, and then you char the outside, that's good because it won't be overcooking the inside. The inside will be pretty good, and then you'll you'll have that nice crust on it, and you'll be golden. Like I I think yeah I, I agree with what you're saying is I guess the point. Uh, <laughs> oh shit. Okay, how much time do we got? Yeah, about, about 15 14 minutes. minutes. One thing to add, too, it's also really good, too, if you don't know when you need to have dinner ready. You know, it, it's really good for if you want to just throw stuff in the pot, get it going, and then you can come back an hour later, you can come back eight hours later, and it really hasn't changed anything. You know, so you can just keep things at that almost ready but not quite ready to pull out level. And then, you know, if you know you're having a dinner party that you're not sure when people are going to eat, you just grab things, whatever you want, and then it's good to go. So I, I really, I really recommend it. Yeah, no, I was just looking at our email. It looks like Israel sent us an email. <laughs> no, oh, okay. No. So uh, someone wrote us an email. It's really long, but I don't know. I, I'll just read the whole thing. Honestly, it looks like the kind of thing that I would give up halfway through. No offense, Nathan, but I'm going to read it in full. Hey, Spencer, hope you're doing well. Here are some random thoughts on the podcast, The World. The email is probably too long to read on air, so feel free to read ignore the following topics as you please. Number one, fuck Jeff, colon. I know you've been saying that this podcast isn't as good or doesn't have direction without Jeff, paraphrasing, but I was just listening to the most the recent re-released episode with Jeff, and honestly, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as your regular recent episode. I was much rather listen to you talk about the world or interview an actual normal human with relatable stories and life experiences than Jeff rambling on about one of his weird Hollywood hookups. Also, that episode reminded me how frustrating it is to listen to Jeff derail you over and over and again while you have to do something, while you're trying to do something, e.g., start D and D. I remember this happening with Dan and Harmontown too. Spencer, should we jump into D and D? We got thirty minutes left. Jeff, fuck yeah, let's do a big one this time. Proceed to tell a useless story for ten minutes. Spencer, do we still want to D and D? We got twenty minutes. Yeah, J- or Jer, I think you misspelled Jeff. Yeah, let's go. Stalls for another ten minutes with random filler. Spencer, well, we got ten li- minutes left. Probably not enough time for D and D anymore. Me. Uh, crying face emojis uh three crying face emojis uh number two mtg rant I've been having some Spencer rant type thoughts about the downward trajectory of magic for a while now and would love to hear your opinion. My general take on the matter. For about five to six years now, it seems Hasbro has been pushing Watsi to over-monetize MTG at the expense of the players and the health of the game itself. Examples. Power creep is out of, out of control. They force players to buy tons of packs from each new set because they contain the push cards that players need to stay competitive. The release schedule is insane. 39 last year up from 15 in 2019, which along with skyrocketing prices is just making the game prohibitively expensive. All these new cards routinely break the game resulting in huge increase in bans since the playtesting team has no chance of keeping up with all the new cards all the cross promotional content has made the game into somewhat of a farce what used to be a flavorful overarching storyline is just devolving into i block your gandalf with my spongebob squarepants that last one is made up but you get my point these flagrant marketing tactics cause a small portion of magic players whales to spend huge amounts of money a while ago they had those a thousand dollar packs yeah man they had these packs there were 15 cards that cost a thousand fucking dollars for a while that was like really a shark jump moment for magic anyway and now they essentially turned the lord of the rings into the powerball with their one way ring gambit uh that's so gross and exploitative tldr capitalism ruined magic have you seen that episode of south park where they watch the new indiana jones and it's just george lucas and uh spielberg raping indiana that's probably the best analogy that's not cool uh for what i feel about i mean i read it uh about, about hasbro has done to magic thoughts 
my thoughts are that's not cool um cube having said all that i'm pretty insulated from watsi's fuckery because the main way i get to play magic is by drafting and playing either my brother's vintage cube or my edh cube link if you're interested i'm curious if you ever play drafter or, or drafter play cube if so which one what are your favorite colors archetypes satisfactory i heard about from dan on harmontown i think you might have turned him on to it never got too deep into minecraft but goddamn, i do do i love satisfactory i'm 200 plus hours in and close to completed the final final milestone just wondering if you ever got into it and how it compares to my Minecraft. Okay, I'm done. Thanks for continuing to make the podcast. I look forward to it every week. Hey, that only took four minutes. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so I think magic is going downhill. But honestly, I like the uh, the Gandalf blocking SpongeBob and stuff. I, I, uh, I before it was happening, I was like, I think this sucks. I don't think they should do this. But then they've been making these cards, and I'm like, actually, these cards are pretty cool. I don't know. It's not like the sets are all perfect or whatever, but I think it's a lot better than I ever expected to be. I do think they're they're do they're over monetizing for sure. I think their secret layer drops are really fucked. Um, and the one ring gambit thing was crazy. You know, they they printed a one of a kind ring card and it was like valued at like a million dollars and then post Malone Malone bought it for like two million dollars or something. I think all of that fucking sucks shit. Um, but you know, the IP stuff, I just for whatever reason I really like like it. Uh they announced there's going to be a Final Fantasy set at some point in the future, and I'm so fucking stoked, dude. I really want... I hope it's good, but I really want to get some Final Fantasy cards. I like. I want there to be a Materia mechanic. I think that would be so cool if there is like Materia somehow integrated into Magic. I don't know how it would work at all, but I think it's really cool. Um, but I don't know. I was just actually complaining about this today that, you know, they made these Doctor Who cards and Doctor Who cards also seem pretty cool, even though that's honestly pretty weird. It's not a great flavor fit, but I, I think it's fun. I don't know. But uh, they they announced like all the sets that they were doing and the sets that the, some of the sets they announced were like they announced Mouse Guard, which is based. I think it was called Mouse Guard. Maybe it wasn't, but it's based on um, Redwall, which I love Redwall. It's about talking animals and like little the animals have like uh, night weapons and, you know, armor and stuff. And they fight wars against like medieval wars against each other. And it's a great book series. I really like it. Recommend it. I guess it's more for kids, but it's it, they're these big, thick books. It's good for reading, you know. Uh, if you have a kid that might read, um, I think it would be a good gift to give them some Redwall books. Um, but like they were, they, I don't know. They were just talking about, oh, we're making this set where the animals can talk. Holy shit. Isn't this crazy? It's a little sillier than we normally do it, but we, the fans have been wanting it. So we're delivering. And it's like, stop jerking yourself off for making magic cards. You make magic cards. Don't be all like, this is a cool thing we're doing. We're making magic cards. Another thing they announced is I think it was called Thunder Junction which is an old west based set and uh, i think old west set is honestly a little weirder to me than just an ip based set even if it was like deadwood the magic set or something like i don't know i i think it would be cooler than just like a straight up old west set but what they said is it's like all your favorite villains of magic's history are coming together to pull the ultimate heist or whatever and it's like i don't fucking care dude I don't care about all the villains of magic teaming up and they're they're talking about like oh it's like it's like marvel it's like freaking end game up in here it's like i do not care you are not interesting like it's not interesting that you decided to build a set about the magic villains that's just a set of magic cards you do that that's what you do like stop patting yourself on the back it's just what you're doing but you're acting like it's so crazy it's like i don't fucking care um so ironically 
I'm a lot more on board with the IP stuff than I am for, you know, ostensibly normal magic card sets that they're making. So I don't know. I don't know how to square that. Um, I haven't played Cube. I like Cube. I think it's cool, but I've never really got into it. I want to get a Cube, honestly, um, for Kevin or the audience. Cube is a specific kind of playing magic that involves playing usually a lot of high-powered cards. Uh, and then you play a couple games and then it's over. Uh, Satisfactory. I really like Satisfactory, but I stopped playing it. Um, it's a very linear gameplay where you just have to do what the game tells you to. Whereas in modern Minecraft, for instance, you can kind of do whatever you want. And so I like Satisfactory, but after a while, you kind of see the rails and stuff, and then you're not super, it's not super fun. And so I really like uh, Satisfactory until I hit that point. But hey, that's me. <sighs> anything to say kevin most of that is not really intersecting with you um i had the same experience with satisfactory where it kind of just felt like there was really only one path you could take yeah um i like i don't know if you ever played any of these games but i've played a lot of city skylines which is like a real sandbox it's like sim city but it's a lot more of a sandbox where you can just basically do anything and city skylines 2 is coming out in like a week so I'm really excited about that. Um, I don't know what about that game really appeals to me so much. It's just literally like there's just it's almost like there's just no rules. You just build a cool city, you know, and for yeah. some reason that's super relaxing to me. Where like satisfactory felt like work because there's just only one way of doing. I know there's more than one way, but you know, what I mean, it, like it felt like there was just such a guide to the way they wanted you to do things. Yeah. That it just all kind of felt like I, I was making the exact same thing you were making and there was somebody else making the same thing. And, you know, yeah, th there no, wasn't a lot of creativity allowed. Yeah. I'm sure a like lot a of people who play that are going to yell at me now. No, but it's true. There's a point where like you can get these trucks and you can make them go on delivery routes. You kind of set up their like they're kind of like remote control or whatever. You set them on these paths and then they'll go on the paths. But the thing is like upgrading conveyor belts is way more efficient than like figuring out optimal truck routes and stuff. And then similarly, there's like trains at one point. And so you can start to make train tracks to kind of do train deliveries. And that actually is relatively efficient. And that was kind of fun. But that's the thing. I was kind of like losing steam and then they uh, they like came out with the trains update and i was like hey fucking around with trains is kind of fun and then i just finished setting all my train lines and then trains became basically just like conveyor belts so you know then it's like okay now this is a solved problem now i'm back to just making super factories to make super computers or whatever and it, it stopped being fun again but but yeah no i agree 100 percent uh i guess we got time for uh someone someone else anyway peter writes hey spencer and kevin are you familiar with bill oakley and his fast food reviews i don't know how possible it would be but it would be amazing to get him on as a guest so you guys could trade fast food snack opinions and stories also would love to hear you talk about magic Ga the gathering some more check uh i know it's not everyone's cup of tea but screw those people would love to just hear your thoughts on the newer sets i'm psyched for wilds of eldraine or some of your favorite decks you build in any case thanks for providing me with last new perspectives and on elon elon's latest train wrecks while i'm driving to and from work shift with shit with satan pete uh so yeah we talked about magic uh i played some wild of eldraines i was really excited for it too but the way that the sealed uh and the drafts played out i don't know it's just like the set like says, oh, here's some cool things you can do. And then when you're actually doing booster drafts and stuff, it just doesn't really work to do those things. You can make interesting decks, but it's not doing the stuff that the game is like suggesting that you do, if that makes sense. And I think that's a bit of a fail. Um, I think overall, it's a pretty cool set. 
there's like cookie monsters and stuff well not like cookie monster there's like a monster that's made out of cookie uh you know but uh there's there's some cool flashy cards and stuff and and i can imagine like building some cool stuff but overall my limited experience with it was and not that my experience was limited they call that limited when you're doing booster drafts that's what that's called limited uh experience was a, a bit lackluster compared to what i expected uh but yeah that's uh kevin you have any crazy connections to bill oakley i do not know i wish yeah do you well we could no i, I well, not really but i mean i we could we could ask him i don't know that he'd do the podcast but i think we could probably reach out to him and see he seems like a nice enough person i just don't know why he would do this fucking bullshit i mean you know you got kevin here to look at it's like jesus christ he scares everyone away i'm saying you're ugly <laughs> sorry kevin thank you you're thank you much more attractive than me and everyone knows it um okay so we don't have too much time I'll just say uh, this is just a really stupid little story, but um, I've been trying to hike lately. I want to lose weight. Uh, I've been buckling down, but I really, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to be successful at losing weight, but I'm going to try. Um, so I've been hiking more and stuff and uh, I was hiking and there's this bridge and the hiking trail kind of goes over the bridge, but technically there's like a, a like a, like a goat trail that kind of goes under the bridge and uh so i was coming back and i had to go to the bathroom really bad and i was like i'll go like to the bridge and go pee up against the bridge or whatever and i'll be close to the bridge so that people going over the bridge they won't be able to see me and this isn't a a, a story where someone sees me peeing or anything don't worry but uh so i start peeing up against the bridge and uh there's some spider webs and stuff and i'm looking around and then i realize there's a giant fucking black widow on the spider web right why where i'm peeing and i'm like okay well this is a situation but also i'm peeing i don't want to stop peeing like come on um and so the spider is getting all agitated and it's like trying to come at me but it's not you know they can't jump or anything and there's not like web connecting me to it but i'm still kind of like well this is a situation like i don't want to i don't want to get bit um so i'm kind of panicking a little bit and then i'm like you know what and then i start peeing on the black widow <laughs> And the Black Widow is like, bleh, 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 what the fuck? I'm gonna get, you know. But he's he's like hanging on for dear life. But I'm like knocking him down. You know, he's not. He's 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 getting like fucked. He's not able to, uh, you know, come at me. And then I finish peeing and I kind of scurry away before I could like recover. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um. So hey, there you go. Uh. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, patreon.com slash the sixler if you want to give me money um i don't know you know uh, yeah, yeah. something i'm doing right now on patreon is i'm working on a new module and i'm going to sell the module it's a module i want to sell like i've sold my other two modules at the sixler.h.io but because i haven't been doing so much patreon stuff lately I'm posting my updates of my progress as I write that module. And when the module is finished, I'm going to release it for free on the Patreon for patrons. So I'm going to sell it, but also it's going to be available for, I don't know, a month or two months, uh, just for free on, uh, for patrons if they want to, um, check it out. So, you know, if you want to support that, or you want to see what I'm doing, it's this Mad Max dinosaur based module. I've wanted to make it for a while, but I've had some kind of writer's block and I'm starting to kind of break through that a little bit. Um, but I think it's going to be really cool. Um, honestly, if I can, if I can nail it, I think it's going to be huge, honestly, uh, not like huge, like 
it'll have like a wild worldwide impact or anything but i think it's going to be an awesome module that people will talk about uh you know and i think if you got it you'd really have fun uh that's my hope at least uh so that's that's what's happening on my patreon what about you kevin you got a uh, shrop homes to video yeah um so if you're watching this live coming up next is video apocalypse from apocalypse then a bunch of crazy music videos then the cali kazoo show and then after that uh as our finale tonight is a special from brian weissall um, it's a, kind of an offshoot of Bunsiverse. It's in the same Bunsiverse cinematic universe, but it's not a Bunsiverse e episode. So ch check that out too. And if you're not watching us live, come see us every Sunday at shrobhomevideo.com. And check it out. Tour dates on our website, thathappenspod.com. Um, sponsored by article.com. Uh, so we like to end the show the same way we do every week. So until next time, Kevin, did you do less uh did you pick less episode titles than normal actually towards beginning yes but then I, I made up for it in the end all right folks see ya <laughs> Bye, everybody <laughs>